0: Benvenuti. Bienvenido.
1: Welcome to the A Fire podcast, now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Each episode features real and honest conversations with thought leaders from around the world at all levels of the commercial real estate and investing business, examining the ideas and questions fundamental to the future of our industry. Where are we now? What happens next? What should we do about it? How do we become better investors, leaders, and global citizens? For more, here's your host and the CEO of AFIRE, Gunnar Branson.
2: Leverage is fundamental for real estate. And good things happen to those investors that master the debt side of their capital stack. But debt mastery is complicated. Leverage enhances returns, but it can also decimate returns. A constant examination and reexamination of assumptions, they're always warranted because there may be risks you can't see and rewards you haven't found yet. So Bill Maher, the Director of Strategy and Research, and Ben Moslin, the Managing Director at RCLO Fund Advisors, they're both with me here today to share their latest thinking about leverage. So thank you both for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So in the latest issue of AFIRE Summit, uh, which just came out at the end of March, uh, you both contributed an article titled Leveraging Control, uh, and you discussed real estate debt strategies and compared and contrast. And before we get into the details of, of your piece, um, why don't you help me out, uh, Bill, by, by explaining why you think uh, it's important for investors to reexamine their debt strategies now?
0: Yeah, thanks, Gunnar. A uh, couple reasons. Uh, first of all, r- returns, you know, I'm talking really uh, yields from real estate are close to an all-time low. And so investors are trying to maximize returns from real estate. They- they're looking at every tool possible. And, and leverage is one of those tools. Uh, and-, and the good news is that leverage costs are also at an all-time low. Uh, so that uh, the-, the using leverage most efficiently can enhance returns from what 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 is a low yield environment really across across all asset classes
2: well Ben, maybe you want to jump in here on it because part of the question you know yes it's cheaper i can go out and get as much debt as i want to um because it's it's well priced it's available um but does leverage actually add
3: value to a portfolio yeah, I, I, would, I would add a couple things there. So one is that following the great financial crisis, there was almost an overreaction where many investors delevered their portfolio. And now what you have is an average leverage ratio for the Odyssey Index of about 22%, which we believe is, is probably below where the optimal amount of leverage is. Uh, secondly, over the long-term, for long-term investors, which which most of our clients are, so if you think of pension plans or sovereign wealth funds, um, so, so institutional investors that really have a, a long duration of their liabilities, which makes them long term investors, uh, leverage is accretive. So uh, you you can withstand some uh, periods of uh, depreciation of assets or downturns, and over the long term, um, you you end up adding to your returns. And based on on our capital market expectations today, um, and where the cost of debt is, that that will add. Uh, to your overall return if you if you do lever your portfolio
2: so how much then how much debt is optimal um, it, it, yes it's it 's inexpensive right now, but this certainly is a time of risk it 's a time of volatility uncertainty about about where things are going uh, bill do you have a sense of what what 's the enough what 's the too much kind of level of debt
0: yeah it, it, it certainly varies by investor and how much um, risk they want to put on their portfolio. Uh, there are certainly um, some institutional investors who put very little uh, debt on their portfolio or leverage. Uh, but if you look at you know there's there's a lot of other in- indicators out there for example the uh, the public markets the the REIT market is a you know multi trillion dollar industry and uh, with with all sorts of different property types. but on average, leverage tends to be to be around thirty to fifty percent um, with more for uh, property types that have long leases and less for shorter ones or more risky ones so I, I think you know naturally in the 30 to fifty percent is is kind of a, uh, a a way that most core investors should, should think about it um, clearly in the u.s uh, for higher return funds uh, uh, the, the the general partners tend to use more leverage uh, close to 60 65 um, you know, one thing we we note in our article is that it's kind of unique to real estate that um, the, uh, investors put more risk on higher risk, more leverage on higher risk assets and less on lower risk. That's the opposite of what happens in the capital markets. Generally, you know, tech companies use very little leverage because they have volatile earnings. Uh, utilities use more because they have uh, more stable earnings, but real estate gets it backwards. So we, 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 we'll we we'll go into that more, but that's something we we talk about and, and we think affects the, the proper amount of leverage.
2: Well, well, actually, it'd be a good time just to kind of jump into that then, Bill, a little bit, because it is an odd little kind of illogical behavior that that we have in our industry, which is where we put the high leverage, where we put the low leverage. Why do you think that is?
0: Well, it, a lot of reasons. It's part, one of them, the main ones is just the structure of, uh, of the, the, uh, limited partnerships that, that are created to do value add and opportunistic returns. Um, uh, there's an incentive to use more leverage to, um, have, you know, higher, uh, promotes or, or, you know, profit sharing by the general partners. Um, and, and, and you know, and, and, in fairness, it's it's worked pretty well. There's been some really great returns, particularly in in up markets by many of the uh, the sponsors of those funds.
3: yeah, i I think it's a couple things. so so one is that industry convention, which is that um, this is this is essentially how these uh, opportunistic and value-add funds are structured where they're um, they have higher levels of leverage, and that in turns um, in turn increases the leverage return, which in turn, um, you know, it benefits the limited partners, but also benefits the general partners in terms of a higher incentive compensation. Um, the second thing is that uh, sometimes these, these deals just don't pencil with lower levels of, of leverage. And uh, that um, you uh, if you have um, it, it, it just it would make more sense to invest in a in a core or stabilized deal than a more opportunistic deal. Um, but for a greater amount of leverage for that opportunistic deal. In fact, um, a lot of research has shown that you're actually better off just levering up core uh, core assets to similar levels that you do, opportunistic assets, and you'll get a similar level of return or even better return with lower levels of risk.
2: Ben, you know, one of the things that jumps out of your article um, that I think I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts around this leverage happens at multiple levels there's there's the asset level there's the the kind of the the, the GP level there's the LP level um, how should that be approached and what is optimal
3: yeah so so uh, f- fund level leverage really um, you know is, is an innovative strategy that we're seeing um, some of our clients utilize institutional investors utilize where they're essentially using the balance sheet of the overall fund to secure uh, credit facilities. Um, and that that has a couple of advantages. One is that um because of the 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 broad um basis securitizing the facility, you you have a lower um interest rate and then you also typically have lower fees associated with that with that leverage facility. Um, you know in contrast the typical mortgage is, is secured by um by just one asset. And so um, you know, the, the broad, the broad, uh, facility being secured by an overall fund makes it less risky to the lender, which is why you get better ter- uh, terms. Um, now I think, I think that in addition to lower rates, there's other benefits associated to, um, fund level leverage. And, and one, one to, to highlight is greater liquidity in that, um, if you're securing a, uh, an asset or uh, if you're securing a mortgage uh, secured by an individual asset that that oftentimes um, has uh you know prepayment penalties or defeasance associated with with removing that mortgage and so um that that either um reduces the net return to the investor or reduces the liquidity You, you don't really have that issue when you're using your own credit facility you can um you can use that debt however you choose and then remove that debt from a specific uh, asset, if you if you want to, um, so there's a, there's a lot of benefits. The downside, probably compared to an individual mortgage, is that it is a recourse, um, right? So a um, an individual mortgage is non recourse; it's secured by the the individual asset, and so therefore the investor is not at risk beyond that. With a credit facility. Um, you, you, you may be at risk, but but again, it's, it's secured by a broad, diversified portfolio. So if one asset underperforms or even several assets underperform, um, the broad portfolio is likely to continue to perform in a positive manner, especially over a longer period of time. And so that, that risk is really um, diversified out. Um, so so there, are, there are a number of benefits there. In terms of using fund level leverage, you know, on top of asset level leverage, you know, one example that um, where that may may apply is is um, Odyssey funds we mentioned earlier are, are really only levered at an average of twenty two percent, you know, which is below where uh, listed REITs are typically levered, um, below probably where where we believe optimal leverage is, and so you could use fund level leverage on top of the the Odyssey leverage to to really. Um, increase the the total LTV and thereby increase returns without incrementally increasing risk at the same level.
2: Well, Bill, given all that, what do you think would be the optimal approach or optimal strategy uh, for uh, leverage, uh, say at the LP level?
0: Yeah, it's you know there's kind of the short term answer and the long term answer. In the short term, um, the the funds, the the value add and opportunity funds that. Uh, Use a lot of leverage. Also, have a lot of market power. You know, they they they've been doing this. They've been um, doing business a certain way for a long time. Been successful. You know, there's very unless the um, the the pension funds got together and really you know made a, a, a big effort to change that. You know, that's that's going to be the way the industry will work for for quite a while. Um, I think it's the the, the place that um, it can change is that for core investing. Uh, most most um core properties you know in the you know the the npi is the big the ncre property index is the big um uh measure of core returns and it's an unlevered index but but most people don't know that most of those properties actually have leverage on them They just they don't report that leverage or the impact of that leverage
2: for the last 20 years or so we've been in an environment of historically low interest rates um which is odd that most of our working lives or a big chunk of it uh, have been spent in a realm where interest rates really have not gone up uh there is talk that maybe although there's been talk for 20 years that maybe it will in the next year or so but there seems to be good reason for the for us to start seeing interest rates shift so given that we are historically low now given that that may change over the next year or so what would uh would you think would be the smart way for investors to respond to this kind of potentially changing interest rate environment?
3: Yeah, that's, it's, it's certainly something we've given a lot of thought to in that for decades now, we've had interest rate compression and that in turn has, has led to of course cap rate compression as well and, and, and greater appreciation returns. And so, um, e- even so we're, we're, uh, even with the, the recent increase in, in interest rates over the last month, we're still at historical lows. Um, and, uh, and there's there's a spread between um even the low cap rate environment and in today's interest rates and making interest rates or making leverage accretive. And so um, you know, we we you know, whether where where does the, the interest rate movement go? Um, you know, there there's a lot of stimulus being poured on the economy, and so there's a potential for interest rates to rise. Um it, you know, our our point of view is that. Um, given where interest rates are today, given the spread between the cost of debt and um, yields on uh, properties, it does make sense to utilize this tool. Um, and um, and so the the question then becomes how much, and that that is somewhat dependent on the risk tolerance of the investor. Um, you know, as, as we said earlier, the uh, the public markets uh, listed listed real estate companies, the so listed REITs. Um, Tend to be levered a little bit higher than uh, private um, op- private equity open ended funds, um, and the and the optimal point of leverage is probably higher where those um, open ended funds are, um, and so that sh- that should be utilized. And it, it you know that but then you know diving a little bit deeper is, is by asset class where the cost of debt um, and uh, and the defensive nature by property type um, makes it more appropriate to use it for. Um, property types that are performing better. So, industrial and multifamily, for example, um, compared to um, retail properties, where there may be a little bit more volatility of returns going forward, and you also may have to pay a greater cost of debt today on uh, compared to other property types. So, um, long long story short, I, you know, we think that the cost of debt um, makes it accretive now to lever up your portfolio to a point.
2: When you look at what's going on right now and what's likely to happen in the years ahead, what are you afraid of that could happen, or what are you afraid that people might miss, uh, or a, a way that things could go awry?
3: Yeah, I, you know, I I think that um, the the big you know one of the big uncertainties today is um, is inflation, and so. Um, you know, I, not not that I want to predict where inflation will go. You know, but that but that that is an uncertainty given the amount of stimulus that's being deployed, and and so um, if eventually, you know, given the Fed's mandates, if there is truly inflation that arises, then interest rates will increase, and so um, you know, making it if if that was the case, this, that would make this an ideal window now to to take advantage of um, of capital markets. Um, so. Um, you know, that being said, I think, I think we are thinking it's still a lower for a longer environment. Um, you know, I not, we're not going to pre- predict inflation right, you know, right now, but I think that we think it's a lower for a longer environment. And so this opportunity is, um, will probably still continue to present itself.
2: What are you most excited about? What do you think uh, might surprise people to the positive?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think from a, a relative value perspective, real estate is, is quite attractive. Um, you know, it, it, you know, from from uh, the private markets perspective, um, you know, the, the Odyssey index was down in 2020 compared to a, a very strong year to, for, for listed, um, listed equities. And even REITs, you know, haven't rebounded to the point where other, um, you know, public equities are. And so um, really what that means is that there's an attractive spread between where uh, cap rates are today and, um, and where other asset classes uh, yields are. Um, and so, um, I think it, it it means probably greater allocation to real estate among investors. Um, you know, given given the benefits in terms of as, as well diversification across uh, the overall fund from having real estate in your portfolio, and even if we do have inflation, um, real estate actually tends to do well in inflation, given the the repricing of um, of leases as they roll and uh to to where market levels are and so it's 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 a defensive asset class in terms of uh inflation as well
2: no question and i'm starting to hear more and more of a positive outlook uh, from members as I have discussions with them across uh, the real estate space. I think there's an emerging optimism. Uh, maybe it has to do with how many people have their vaccines at this point, but there does seem to be an emerging optimism. Well, we've run out of time. Ben, uh, Bill, thank you so much uh, for joining me on the A Fire podcast. And I'd encourage anyone uh, who is listening to this to make sure you take a look at their article, Leveraging Control, in the last issue of a fire summit
1: Please visit afire.org slash podcast.